The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. All are welcome. We're glad you found us. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Are you ready to create a life that's intentional and dynamic? Welcome to the Intentional Spirit with your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. And hello, everyone, and welcome to Intentional Spirit. Wow, have I been looking forward to this show today. One of my favorite things in the world, 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 on the planet, 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 is to talk to someone that is connected not only to this world, but other dimensions and beyond. And Julie Ryan, I have been so excited about having you on the show today. And you're our girl after my own heart because you also do work regarding animals. And that just lights me up. I'm so grateful. Thank you for that. Welcome to our show. It's such a pleasure to have you, and I'm so glad that you're here. Thank you so much. I'm delighted to be here and really appreciate the opportunity to get to talk with you and and, uh, get to meet you via the airwaves. Well, I just love what I read about you, and you have, (laughs) wow, Talk about uh, a dedication to, like Oprah says, you know, use me up while I'm on the planet. Well, it looks like you were off to a fast start. You have done so many amazing things, and then, you know, you wind up landing the plane and becoming like this amazing medical intuitive and psychic and all of that. Um, I just want to know about your story. So were you... uh, I don't know. Did you just know when you were little, like, I'm just going to have this purpose-driven life? Oh, no, not at all. (laughs) I was just just a regular. Well, that's an easy answer. No. (laughs) No. 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 Uh, Not even close. Although, funny enough, Temple, when I was probably 24, not probably 24, at 24, I moved to Los Angeles and um, met a gal who took me to this psychic. And I, and I was a girl that grew up in, the, in Ohio and I didn't ever do anything with psychics. I mean, the closest thing to psychics that I came to was my mom read Jean Dixon's um, column in the newspaper. You know, she predicted things. And uh, and so the psychic told me, you will do something in this lifetime that will serve the masses. And at 24, I was like, okay, whatever. 
And really everything I've done in my work world, especially, has served the masses in some capacity, and so does the work that I'm doing now as a medical intuitive and psychic, serve the masses. And I think that was just such a profound statement when I look back on it all those years uh, ago when I was told that. It was, it was interesting. It's so um, fascinating how the path... You know, often we may even look at our path and, and I, you know, I, like you, believe there's no such thing as a wrong turn or a right turn or, you know, that just kind of keeps people uh, being less empowered or that's people that are only willing to be trained by society. But but that being said, you know, um, I got a download when I was five, similar to what you just said, you know, that there was this unique message. Now, who knows as a five-year-old what it was, but that I had something I would be bringing the world that would be, you know, uniquely my own. I'm like, what? You know, but anyway, (laughs) that being said, it's very interesting because I, you know, did so much motivational speaking and I would be in healthcare and then I would be doing this and then I was a recruiter and then I would be doing a ministry and then working part-time in other places. But the 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 short of the story is it's interesting everything that i did through the years um i now express or have expressed here at my campus in a very in a very similar and same way you know and it's it's just so fascinating to me and i i look at your story and you created like nine companies and you really offered so much with medical and natural gas and the advertising industries. And and now you're doing this whole level of passion in a different way. And yet I'm sure you use just about all the skill sets and the things that you learned along the way. I just always find it so fascinating. Absolutely. And I'm an inventor of orthopedic surgery devices that have been sold throughout the world for pushing 30 years. And it's so interesting, Temple, when I'm doing a medical scan on somebody because the healings that I see occur oftentimes will emulate what I saw in the operating room. I can identify devices that are used and tools and procedures and things like that to facilitate healing with the person with whom I'm consulting. And at the same time, every once in a while, I'll see things that use devices and procedures that I don't believe have been invented yet. (laughs) So that's really fun for me as an inventor and an entrepreneur to see things that are being done in the spirit world that, that I don't think have been invented yet. I love it. I love it. You're getting a sneak peek purview. (laughs) as well as the ability to download it and bring it on the earth so it can be functional and and useful. Well, when along the way uh, did the knock on the door uh, just start calling you more? And do you feel that you are, because on your your promotions and your branding, you're a psychic and medical intuitive, did those walk hand in hand with you? Uh, Were you more of a psychic first? And then you realized, oh, I really have a gift with the the medical side. Um, I want to know all about you. So just tell us, how, how did all this come about through the years of your life? Well, I was not born with dead people chasing me since childhood. I'm not one of those psychics. <laughs> or uh-huh. if I did, Temple, I didn't know it, and I certainly wouldn't have known what to do with it. 
I learned how to do all this medical intuitive and psychic stuff that I do. I laugh. I tell people I'm a businesswoman that does woo-woo and I'm a buffet of psychicness. <laughs> so I love I, it. <laughs> I, I, in my mid-30s, was given a book by a girlfriend and it was about a medical intuitive. And I thought, what the heck is that? And I'd been in the medical supply industry since right out of college. And so I was intrigued and I read the book and I thought, oh, this is interesting. And back then we didn't have Amazon, let alone the internet wasn't much. And so I went to a bookstore, an old-fashioned bookstore. I think it was a Barnes and Noble, actually, to see if there were any other books that had information available on this. And there was, there was a book that I found called Hands of Light by Barbara Brennan, PhD. And Dr. Brennan was a former NASA physicist, is she's still alive, is a former NASA physicist who parlayed quantum physics into understandable English for the non-scientific mind, of which I am a non-scientific person. And so I read her book and was intrigued further, and I called her school, and I said, do you have anybody in my area teaching by any chance, any graduates or anyone teaching? And, and as luck would have it, there was, and here 25 years later, I've studied, I took six years of formalized training and, uh, and still have the same teacher and mentor that I started with um, 25 years ago. And so uh, to answer your question further, the medical stuff was the intriguing part for me, simply because I'm, I was in the medical industry on the supply side and inventing products to help serve the masses, like that psychic told me when I was 24. And uh, uh, so that was the first intriguing part. But I detail in my book really what my path was. And it didn't all come in at once. It came in over time. I love Barbara Brennan. I, I studied her work when I was going through my shamanic practitioner training. That was mm -hmm. required reading. I, I studied uh, as a protege to a, a, a shamanic practitioner for about 10 years. So it's funny, there's a little bit of crossover uh, with the things that we're saying and that we're discussing. Did it immediately feel natural to you to be able to tune in to other people's energy and and do the scanning? I mean, did it just kind of feel like you went from point A to point B and you went, well, this is mine to do? Um, I always like to get into these stories because I also know that we have listeners tuning in from all over the world and there are many a person sitting somewhere um, that has gifts but doesn't use them or doesn't believe mm -hmm. they have the potential to use them. Mm -hmm. And to that point, I believe we're all born with intuitive and psychic capabilities. Certainly we've all had experiences where we think of someone and we either run into that person or they call on the phone seemingly out of the blue and we think, oh my gosh, I was just thinking of you. Well, that's psychic ability that that person's picking up your vibe. So I think like with every other skill set that we can develop, we have the capability to enhance our natural born abilities by educating ourselves and certainly years of practice will enhance it. Athletes do that. You know, they play little league as little people and then they get up into high school and college and then some some make it to the pros if you want to be a 
doctor, you go to medical school. If you want to be a lawyer, you go to law school. If you want to be a plumber, you do a plumbing training and apprenticeship. So I believe that these skill sets are available to all of us. We're all born with them, and it's just whether or not we choose to enhance them. And also I think it's really important, too, to recognize when something happens, like we think we see a shadow or we or we think we hear something. You said you're a pet pet lover. When my dog died, I could hear her running around my house. I could hear her, her fingernails on my hardwood floors. And a lot of people would say, wow, that's just my imagination. No. I was no, it's not. Died. It happens yeah. all the time. Right. Yes. Yeah, something happened. There was just this space. Oh. I think the angels were coming through. Or all of a sudden, when you gave all those pets permission, I think they just all said, here we are. <laughs> we're live on the air. Yeah, I didn't touch a thing. And uh, we just went kind of silent. But um, that's all right. So absolutely, we definitely know that the pets, I've had so many stories happen with my pets. And I love the communication piece, you know, that... We bring to that awareness because I think that often that's one of the most overlooked areas is that, you know, people don't seem to know how immensely um, talented and smart that our animals are. And also they have so much to teach us about dying and they hold it in such a different way. Well, the other thing along those lines to Temple is when when a human is dying uh, and that's what my book, Angelic Attendance, is about. The first time I witnessed this was when my own mother was dying. And every dog she'd ever had in her life, and she was in her late 70s when she passed, and every dog that, it, that we'd had in my lifetime, you know, that my family had had when I was growing up, their little spirits were in the room, sitting vigil as my mother was approaching death. And I thought, oh, my God, am I imagining this? And then I thought, why would I be thinking about my dogs when my mother's dying, number one? And number two, I got further validation when at her funeral, my uncle had come in and I was describing the dog's spirits that were there and he was naming them. He said, yeah, that was our dog, Randy, and that was our dog, Sally, and whatever their names were when they were children back in the 20s and 30s. And I just thought that was remarkable that our pets, spirits are with us throughout our whole lifetime and they're with us as we're transitioning and if somebody has grown up on a farm i can always tell because there are farm animal spirits that are in the room and invariably they've been their pets so that's just really really a riot to see number one it's amazing and number two so heartwarming that all those pets are in there Oh, yeah. They wind up with a stable, right? And a crowd. Oh, that's beautiful. That is so rich. Well, I know you're really excited about your book, uh, The Angelic Attendance. And your subtitle is What Really Happens As We Transition From This Life Into The Next. And has that become something that you you really feel is uh, where you're called to really focus on now? of supporting the idea of transition and what it looks like and understanding it? Well, I think that's one of the, one of the items on my buffet of psychicness, if you will. <laughs> right, um, if most you will. Of the work, most of the work that I do is medical intuitive work. 
I um, help people figure out what's going on. Uh, oftentimes people will go to multiple doctors and they'll still have the same symptoms and they won't be getting any better. And so they'll ask me to help them with that and I'm happy to do that. And then also I work with teams of physicians and also scientists. Um, on medical intuitive things, and I have physicians send patients to me all the time when they can't figure out a diagnosis or figure out what's happening. So that's fun. But as far as the transition part goes, I think that it back to that psychic when I was 24 that told me I'd do something to serve the masses, how that came about was the first time I saw what I call the 12 phases of transition, which is described in the book, it is um, how angels and deceased loved ones and our deceased pets, their spirits all surround us as we're transitioning, whether it happens in an instant or whether somebody's dying over days, weeks, months, years. We all go through what I call the 12 phases of transition. And, uh, and I, I marvel at the fact that there are very ancient prayers. There's a, an ancient uh, Gregorian chant. The best I can gather was, written in the fifth century and it's called in paradisum and it talks about our loved ones and 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 the angels will greet us and lead us into paradise and that's what i see and many religions and philosophies have some kind of a prayer or ceremony that talks about this so i have to believe temple that over the millennia that many people have been able to see what I see as somebody's transitioning. And just as we've become in most recent years, say in the past hundred years or even less, we've become more scientifically based and that has faded maybe from the collective consciousness. But it certainly is there. And I think one of my missions is to is to teach people really the transition process has glorious components to it because we're all so afraid when our loved one is dying and and it hits us to the core about oh my gosh what's going to happen when we die it is such a it's such a mystery isn't it i mean i i wrote a book when did when did you die eight steps to stop dying every day and start waking up and one of the premises in which I came from is that people are so uh, anxious or anxiety ridden or in denial of the fact that we're going to die a physical death, <clears throat> still hoping somebody will come up with a pill that we don't have to, that we also lose sight of in little ways how we how we die each day energetically, you know, and those kind of things. But it is such a it is such a phenomenon that it it occupies uh, it, it can occupy so much of our lives uh, when we have that feeling of fear or we're not comfortable really in that in that conversation. Um, so walk us through some of your your wisdom about the the phases of transition in a way that um, you know so many people can benefit obviously from hearing it. Well, we're all surrounded by angels and deceased loved ones as we're transitioning. And the the spirit, I, a lot of people are taught, I guess, for lack of a better word, we're taught that the spirit is some, or the soul, same thing, is somewhere inside of the body. I was taught it was kind of in the chest area or the sternum. And what I perceive, though, Temple, is that the body is inside the spirit. And um, that correlates with 
what we see if we're looking at a picture or a painting of a religious figure and you can see a halo around their head or perhaps around their whole body. That's their energy field. That's their spirit. That's what happens, that you you can see it. Sometimes though, I've seen pictures throughout the years of someone and you can see their aura around them. That's their energy field. It's their spirit. And the body is inside of that. So when the spirit is disconnecting from the body, it stays attached to the top of the head and what I call the spirit bubble. And it looks like the bubble in a cartoon caption where the words or the thoughts of the character in the cartoon are housed. And the, the deceased or the person who's dying, the dying person's deceased mother or, or grandmother or great-grandmother, depending on who's deceased, always on the maternal line, is the spirit that comes in first, and that's the spirit that really runs the show from the spirit world, which is fascinating. Because as a mother, I think most of us believe that, or we're taught that our role as a mom is is done once our kids are grown and out on their own. Well, I think it's fascinating that the moms are still running the show from the spirit world, when even when their children are dying. So then the mother calls in um, angels and the, the paternal spirit is there. The dad's still alive. It'll be the granddad. If the granddad's still alive, it'll be the great-granddad all on the maternal line again. And these angels that show up surround the person who's dying in a circle. And then as they get closer and closer to death, that circle opens up into a horseshoe configuration and more and more spirits come and are present. I call that the Welcome to Heaven Committee. And that's when the pets start showing up at about phase seven of 12. And then also there are angels that are on either side of the spirit bubble that that arrive around phase five. And around phase nine temple, their wings start to move and it creates an upward draft. And it reminded me, when I first saw it, first time again was with my own mother, it reminded me of a giant owl's wings Mm. that's just slowly, rhythmically moving, and it creates an upward draft. And that creates a vortex above the person's head, and that helps the spirit separate from the body. And interestingly enough, when I was researching my book, I just, for kicks, Googled giant owl wings, uh, vortex, and there's all this information, all these engineering drawings and stuff all over the internet about the wingtip vortex, and that's what causes lift in every bird, in every flying animal, in every plane, jet, glider, whatever, even in a kite. It's the it's the motion that creates this vortex that has an upward pull. And um, I found that really fascinating that something was happening in the spirit world that was affecting us in our human world, and there were engineering drawings to describe it. Oh, that (laughs) is fascinating. I love that. It was wild. So interesting. Um, May I tell you a quick story about... Oh, please. Yeah, we have uh, a lot of time left. So please, we're just now, we're not even to the first half yet. So yes, please. When I was with my mentor... And I, her name's Susan Crumpton, and I try and see her at least quarterly. Um, I was in her, her office one day, and she was doing a healing on me. I call it she was zapping me. Because I work on people all over the world every day, 
and she's the only one that zaps on me. So oftentimes, well, every time when she's doing a healing on me, my deceased loved ones are in the room and my spirit guides are there. Well, one day this spirit of a deceased Pope showed up. And he was, I was laying on a massage table and he was at my left foot and he had his whole Pope outfit on, you know, the hat and the whole nine yards and the staff. And, and I said to him, who are you? And he said, I'm Clement. And I said, there was a Pope Clement? And I never heard of a Pope Clement. And I said to Susan, there was Pope Clement. She goes, I don't know, maybe. And he laughed and he said, well, I was the I was number six meaning he was Pope Clement VI. And I said, okay, how may I help you? You know, basically, why are you here? <laughs> and he said, you're, one of your missions on, on, in this lifetime is to educate people about what happens uh, as they're dying because everybody's so afraid and there's nothing to be afraid of. It's glorious. And you need to educate the world about this. And I said, no, you don't understand. I'm a businesswoman. I'm not putting myself out there to do that. <laughs> and, <laughs> And he he and I went back and forth a little bit. And so he just kind of shrugged and laughed and said, okay, well, I'm just telling you, you know, as soon as you get on with it, the better off because this is part of why you're here. So long story short, I got in my car to drive home and I thought, I'm, I'm just going to see what I can find out about Pope Clement VI because it was so extraordinary that this spirit showed up. Well, Pope Clement VI Temple was in office during the bubonic plague when two-thirds of Europe died. Oh, my gosh. And he's best known for his prayers for the, for the dying and his prayers for the dead. And I thought, oh, for heaven's sakes, I can't make this up. I've never heard of Pope <laughs> Wow, that is so enriched. I love that. It's so fascinating. I knew it was going to be like that, though, talking with you today. I just had that. I had that psychic awareness. It was going to be like this. For those of you that are just tuning in, I'm talking to uh, Julie Ryan, one of a kind. And you can go to her website, askjulieryan.com, and find out more about the transitional phases, the 12 phases of transition. You can find out more about her new book. Have a reading. I mean, she is just fascinating. So you, you want to... Definitely put her in your library and bookmark her on your computer. We'll be right back after this short break. Thanks for tuning in. We really appreciate you being here. And visit us at templehays.com or sunity.org. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. It takes you to power Unity Online Radio. If you'd like to make a positive difference in the world, you can by contributing to this global ministry. Unity Online Radio relies on listeners like you to support our broadcasts that send our messages out to an awakening world. Go to unityonlineradio.org and click on Donate Today. 
Here's a Unity Mindful Moment with Eric Butterworth, taken from the live lecture, A Course in Practical Metaphysics. Emily Cady, in her Lessons in Truth, makes a statement which I think we need to kind of think about a little bit. She says, God is not a being with qualities or attributes, but he is the good itself coming into expression as life, love, power, wisdom, etc. He is the good itself coming into expression as life, love, power, and wisdom. In other words, and this again is, is shattering to some of us, God is not loving. Ah, God is a loving God. God is not loving. Because the moment we talk about God is loving, we've got the anthropomorphic Michelangelo like God sitting up in a crowd somewhere with his heart beaming out and saying, oh, I love you all down there, see so you're so dearly, as long as you're good. But I'm not going to love you very much if you don't go to church and so forth. God is not loving. God is love. To find out more about Eric Butterworth, visit unity.org. Since 1924, Daily Word has offered inspiration and practical teachings through daily prayer messages to help people of all faiths live happy, healthy lives. The magazine includes two months of daily affirmations, messages, articles, and spiritual poetry to help you get inspired. Subscriptions are available for print editions in large type and Spanish, as well as the digital subscription package that includes the online magazine with audio, smartphone app, and daily email. Get your subscription today. Visit dailyword.com or unity.org. Take time out for you and join other like-minded souls looking to build their connection to spirit with the Unity at Sea Cruise in 2019. Experience a spiritual retreat at sea as you participate in a special program designed to help you on your individual journey of self-discovery. Deepen and explore your spiritual growth with Unity ministers and presenters as you enjoy exotic Caribbean ports of call. For all the details, go to unity.org slash unity at sea now to make a deposit by January 30th and save $100. Take a trip with Reverend Paul John Roach every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Central and tune in to World Spirituality. A lifelong student and practitioner of many world spiritual teachings, Paul guides you to the unity and common values shared by all world religions. We really are all connected. Take a journey with Paul and explore our planet's spiritual landscape with insight, humor, and practical advice for all. Join the show with your question or comment right here on Unity Online Radio. Call now with your question or comment. 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555. Welcome back to The Intentional Spirit with Reverend Temple Hayes. That's right. Just like the commercial said, this would be a day of all days for you to call in because you have the tremendous opportunity to talk to uh, live uh, Julie Ryan and ask her some questions. She is immensely wise, either from a medical perspective as a medical intuitive or a psychic. Uh, Julie, it's just so great talking with you. I'm just really loving our conversation today. Um, And we had alluded to and talked about your book and um, share more about how, how all of this came about for you and writing the book and feeling called to do it. Well, when I was telling you about Pope Clement showed up to um, prod me and then has for years prodded me. And really it was about seven years later 
I put the book out. And, and frankly, I had to get the golden ovary courage to be able to put myself out there. And I thought, oh, my gosh, you know, I'm, I live in the deep south. I'm going to have the clan burning across in my front yard or something if I do this. And, and I, I Elizabeth Kubler-Ross did, so it's not too far-fetched yeah. that you would think that, right? <laughs> well, yeah, not only that, but... I haven't found anything, Temple, that really talks about the things I talk about in my book. There are the phases of grief and there are phases of how to, how to support somebody when they're dying and how to recover when a loved one passes and certainly lots and lots of information about near-death experiences. But I haven't really found anything about what happens as we're dying and what happens as we're transitioning into the spirit world. And that's really what my book addresses, and it addresses the the fear that we all have, and where does that come from, and and uh, and then my journey about how I learned how to do all this woo woo stuff is what I call it, and uh, and also what I experienced with my own mother's death and uh, and her passing, and then and then in the book it goes through the twelve phases of transition, and it also has many heartwarming stories about families with whom I've worked and um, some of the miracles that happen along the way always when somebody is dying and the family and, you know, how in their grief I always tell them, okay, pay attention because there are little miracles that are happening. May I tell you a quick story about one of those miracles? Mm, Please do, and then I want to tell a story to you. Yes, please. Okay, okay. One of the um, stories that I talk about in the book was involved a, a young woman who was special needs, and she drowned in her bathtub in her home. And it, the the family obviously was just she had a, a seizure while um, she was taking a bath, and and she passed. They couldn't revive her. So a couple of days later, I was on the phone with the mother and her sister, and. Um, and they were asking questions, and I could communicate with the young woman. Her name's Jade, and I could communicate with Jade telepathically. And so Jade told us lots of stories about what had happened, what had transpired, and all that, which gave her family comfort. And then Jade said she wanted her sister to have her locket. And her mom and her sister, her mom was Joyce, and her mom Jasmine, or I mean her sister's Jasmine, and her mom was Joyce. And uh, they both said, well, what do you mean, what locket? And Jade's telling me telepathically, tell Jade to go, tell Jasmine to go get my locket. So they both walked into the, to her bedroom and were in her jewelry drawer. And her sister Jasmine said, do you mean the purple necklace? And Jade said, no, the locket. So long story short, Temple, they found the locket that she had been given when she was teeny, teeny, a teeny little girl. And they opened it up and inside was a picture of her mother, Joyce, and her sister, Jasmine. The two most important people in her life were in this locket that they didn't even remember. They didn't know she had it. And that was the one thing that she wanted her sister to have. And I I just, I get weepy even telling you the story after all these years. And so there are lots of, lots of stories like that of, of um, working with families Um, when they have a loved one who's dying that are in my book. Oh, oh, those are just such great stories because they give people courage and 
insights and all different kind of things about there is just a veil between us. And yes, we do have physical grief and we miss that physical thing. And, you know, it's like being in this work all my life, people will go, well, you know, they're not really dead. And I go, I do get that, but I still enjoy going to dinner. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Um, <laughs> but I, <laughs> I had a, um, uh, there was a family that was here that I didn't really know them. And they, um, prior to that, I had bought this jacket and it was black. It was like an evening jacket and it had these huge buttons on it. They were, it was a gaudy looking thing and very big buttons, multicolored, like color of the rainbow. And I was telling my friend about it and I said, I don't even know why I bought this. Do you want it? And she said, well, why don't you do a talk and talk about, don't let anybody push your buttons. And I went, Oh, you're brilliant. So I did the talk and, you know, then hung the jacket back up. And, and so, uh, probably a year or so passed and this family contacts me and asked me, you know, to meet with them because they want to discuss their mom's, uh, memorial. And so the morning I'm getting ready, I got this real strong message, wear the, the black jacket with the buttons on it. And I'm like, you know, we, we sometimes, you don't want to argue with our mm -hmm. intuition or something. I went, I'm not wearing that jacket. They will have a time over at the office. They'll make fun of me. You know, it's, it's a night jacket. It's during the day. And what are they thinking? No, I don't want to wear, wear that jacket. So anyway, I wear the jacket and just smile. And of course the staff's going, where are you going today? And blah, blah, blah. And I go and I sit with the family and I keep a pretty, you know, together smile on my face. And after um, the son is walking me out down the hall and he said, you know, can I give you a hug? And I said, yeah, I said, I, I'm sorry. I didn't meet your mom. He said, he said, no, he said, but I'll tell you, she was so excited to hear that you were coming here as senior minister. As a matter of fact, she only came one time and you were wearing the jacket that you have on today. <gasps> oh. And she, and she talked about how, what, how she knew you were the one for this community because you were so brave and bold to wear a jacket like that. And she went on and on about it. And I said, well, I want you to know it's your mom that got me to wear this jacket today. Only for her would I do that. And, uh, just touch my soul, you know, touch my soul. And I still, like you were talking about from the story you were telling, I still find a healing and a joy from sharing that simple story. Well, and when you, said that he had said that about his mom that's the only time she'd seen you wearing that jacket I got goosebumps all over my body which I mm -hmm. call God bombs which is just validation but that's exactly oh, yeah. what happened yeah you were oh yeah receiving absolutely mm -hmm. no but doubt about it find, all right well we'll take another that, story <laughs> well don't you find that when people um when we all have those uh moments of inspiration and we don't follow them most of the time we end up regretting not following them so good for you that you had the had the wherewithal to go ahead and put on your your jacket with all those buttons on it yeah you do you really do have to work with your own psychology and getting to a place that you don't care what other people think you know it, it is a it is a breakthrough because like you said you know, there's somebody somewhere that's going to benefit from that experience if you're willing to just listen and, and be in it. 
So, but I imagine you hear stories like that all the time, no doubt about it. Well, I, I not only hear them, I mean, my gosh, you can hear them from any funeral director at any funeral home anywhere mm-hmm. in the world. Mm-hmm. They, they're full of stories like that. But I also, I also hear them and translate them to the families when somebody is dying and and not just when somebody's dying oftentimes when somebody's in surgery the family will be in touch with me and i'll be scanning the person having surgery wherever they are anywhere in the world and i can tell how many surgeons are working on them i can i can read the anesthesia equipment i can tell you um you know what family members deceased family members are in the room and one story in particular particular that i love happened with a woman who was having spinal fusion surgery in San Francisco. Now I'm in Birmingham, Alabama, but I'm in t- I was in touch with her husband in San Francisco. And so I, I'm telling him what's going on in the surgery and I can tell real time, you know, where they are during the surgery, what they're working on and things like that. And I mentioned to him, and there's all these deceased loved ones that are in the room and they just look like they're dirty. So they look like they look like chimney sweeps from the Mary Poppins movie, you know, during the chimney sweep ballet. <laughs> right. And, and I said, I don't, I don't know what that's all about, but there's bunches of them in there. And he said, well, her family for generations were coal miners in West Virginia. <laughs> that's it. They had coal dust on them. So that's how spirits showed up to me so I could let the family know that all those deceased loved ones were there and they were loved ones from generations of her family who were coal miners in West Virginia. Wow. So just all kinds of things. Another fun story. There was a, a woman with whom I worked whose elderly father had been dying and it had been taken off life support and was just lingering, lingering, lingering. And he was a um, retired dentist and I always ask the person when they're dying telepathically, I say, are you ready to go? What do you need? Are you in pain? And when I asked this dentist what he needed, he kept saying, I I need him to file my quarterly estimated tax returns. (laughs) I said, really? He was like in his (laughs) 90s. And I said, okay. So I was telling the family that, well, it's going on and on and on. And so finally one day I was talking to his daughter and she said, I just wish I knew what he wanted. I said, uh, he wants you to file his quarterly estimated tax returns. She said, I don't even know where they are. So I asked him telepathically, and they were in Ohio. And again, I was in Alabama. <laughs> so he said, they're in my desk, in my bedroom, in the left drawer, on um, the middle left drawer in my desk. So I said to her, just go to his house, look and see if you can find them and mail them. I mean, what the heck? It's not going to hurt. Long story short, Temple, she goes to his house. They're right there. They're sealed. They're stamped. The right amount of postage is on them. She drops them in the mailbox. She goes back to the hospital, and he dies within a half an hour. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Oh, that is so wild. There are just endless stories like that. Well, I I believe we actually have someone wanting to join us online. Um, Juliana, are you there? Hello. Can you hear me? Yes. Oh, hi. I'm sorry. It sounded like some uh, there was another call. 
Yeah, I was just <laughs> introduced to your program, and it's my first time calling. And I just came to mind an, uh, um, an experience that I have that has been traumatic for me. Okay. And uh, talking about death and dying, I just good. Well, we have the right we have the right guest on the show today, Julie Ryan. So, Julie, you're still with us, aren't you? Yes, I sure am. Okay. Julie, Juliana. Well, Juliana, meet Julie. Julie. Here we go. <laughs> Hi. I apologize. Hi. If the, there's. I think my connection is not that great. Uh, we hear you fine, Juliana. Just ask your question. We're 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 hearing you great. No problem. Okay. Um, uh, recently, uh, my cat died, and uh, mm. I have several cats, and uh, a dog had died before, and family had died, and never experienced severe pain or trauma like I did with this cat. So this cat, cat came into my life when we moved into a new home, and he was just a wild cat that was just surrounding me, just came to me like he knew me. But in his late days when he was dying, I was taking care of him, carrying him. But the way there was something that I was fearing, and I didn't know why. But when he died, it was like it was planned. My husband had to be here. He had an accident at work, so he had to come home. And then as soon as he came home, he started his reaction of dying. To me... um, he started screaming like he was afraid. His eyes opened wide, and it felt like he was being tortured. It felt like he was stretching his body and pulling backwards. To me, it was horrifying. I just didn't know how to console him, how to be there for him. And in this time, it was the first time ever I had experienced a a cry like I have never felt experienced before like screaming and I haven't even had to bend over with this fearful cry of terror Mm. and since then it's hard for me to talk about it but I'm like okay I can't talk about it right now but my husband was there with me I screamed at him to come and help me because I couldn't be with him and let him go and pass with this feelings that I was sharing, I mean, I wanted him to go peaceful, but with what he was doing, it was just terrifying me. I've never seen anything like that. But my husband saw a different picture. He saw such a blessing for us to be in the passing of this lovely cat, and that we were there to comfort him, and he was praying and giving him healing, and it just, I was just not sure what's going on, if it's just me, that there's something in me, that my system or my psychic uh, chose to see it in that way. And he saw it con- uh, completely opposite. Well, let's see what know. Julie has to say. What are you sensing, Julie? Well, Juliana, what was the cat's name? Well, I name him Choco because he's dark, so like chocolate, but Choco in Spanish. Okay, Choco, Choco. What I got was that he he was in pain. He was in physical pain. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes that happens um, not only with, with uh, animals, but also with humans. As the body is shutting down, that sometimes there is a, there is a physical pain 
that can happen. And, uh, and I think that's what happened there with that. I don't think he was afraid to die. Animals don't know about being afraid to die. You know, it's all perfect. They know what's happening. Um, but, but I also think to Temple's point earlier, Temple, when we first started chatting on the show today about the lessons that our animals teach us, and certainly through every, um, every type of um, nationality and, and uh, you know, the, all the ancient civilizations and everything, that animals have always been spirit guides for us. So in right. some way, I think Choco was exhibiting that behavior and that pain to help you in your path. And we can explore mm. that further, you know, at another time when we have more time to chat. But I, I really believe that that was all part of the master plan. But I get that he was in physical pain when he was dying. Mm. You know, maybe he was having a heart attack or something along those lines. Okay, because I, I can't stop feeling extremely guilty. Yes, I, yes, because no matter what, what no matter what, we all are going to die one way or the other. And um, it's not your call. It's a creator call. You know what I mean? It just, it, 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 it is part of life experience that it happens to each of us. It's very interesting that I had a very similar experience with my cat. And I've had many, many Yorkies and puppies and dogs and cats. And But I had a special love for this little white cat. And I had him for like 14 years. And same thing happened, uh, Juliana and Julie, that he was just walking through the house one night and just did a big yelp. And he was gone. That was it. It was over. Now, in Native American uh, energy, they would call that a good death, wouldn't they, Julie? <laughs> you know, yes. that that was just... It was a good death because it was easy. It just happened. Well, and Juliana, the other thing, too, is I know you've heard about people who who have died very suddenly and somebody will say, yay, dropped over from a heart attack. Well, oftentimes those people that have those deaths like that, they experience really intense pain before they die. And I get that this was a total physical thing. And I don't think there was there's anything that you could have done to prevent it. Like, same temple with your little white cat. That's right. That's just, how they, That's just that what, their, what happens. Well, I would yeah. urge you, Juliana, to go to uh, Julie Ryan's uh, website and maybe make a time with her to really talk and yeah. elaborate. Her website is Ask julieryan.com but another point about that that I noticed was that you also referred to as an afterthought about the pain of losing a person and people and um, right. and animals help us with that you know uh, there's something about animal grief uh, I don't know how you feel Julie but I tell you I've had a lot of people die in my life too but there's something about when animals dies I can just have myself bucket cries and so uh I bet there's a connection there too well we really appreciate you tuning in Juliana Well thank you so much for for giving me some some relief and I'll definitely check her website cuz I know there's a lot of 
a lot of emotion that I need to process and work with. <laughs> that it's holding Absolutely. Me back. And thank you for your time. We really, really appreciate it. And um, I want to just re- remind everyone that there's actually an afterlife conference happening in the heart of Orlando uh, the first weekend of November, and it's the afterlifeconference.com. But now we have Michael on the phone. Hi, Michael. How are you? I'm doing just fine. Thank you for having this program. Absolutely. Well, we're it's a pleasure to have you, and thank you for calling in. We have three or four minutes left on the show, and I'm grateful that you're tuning in and that you have the opportunity to talk to Julie Ryan. She's uh, quite an amazing uh, person, that's for sure. We're going to have to have you back on the show, Julie. Yep. There's a part two because we want to talk about the medical intuitive work, too. So, Michael, what are you what are you thinking? Um, my question is, my father died about 11 years ago, and I was just wondering how he was doing on the other side. What's his name, Michael? Walter. Walter. Okay. All right. What I'm going to do is I'm going to connect to you energetically, and he'll be standing right next to you. They always are. They know we're talking about him. I'm sure his spirit's always around you. So I raise my vibrational level to the level of spirit. I turn my abilities on and off at will, Michael. And I don't walk around scanning people because I don't think it's ethical to do that. So I close my Uh eyes. I watch a laser beam come from my body. It's going to hook into you. Got you. Okay, your dad's standing next to you. All right, Walter. He said it doesn't get any better than where I am. He says you hear about nirvana. He says it's even better. Um, he says that it's, uh, that he is around you all the time. He wants me to teach you how to talk with him. So real quickly, Michael, whenever you want to have a conversation with him, you talk to him either aloud or in your mind. And the first thing that pops into your head within a second is going to be his response because spirits communicate telepathically. If you think about it for more than a couple of seconds that's going to be your brain answering you but if you want to ask him a question or say something to him or whatever you'll have a thought and and the more you do it you're going to the better you're going to get at it and then the other thing i want you to know is that spirits are really literal crazy literal so be if you want advice on something or you're looking for something or whatever be really specific about how you ask the question okay so he went, he wanted me to teach you how to talk to him. Okay. That's even better. That's even more than what you asked yep. for. <laughs> yeah. And the how other, great, the cool how thing, great is that, cool, right? I mean, that's that awesome. Is, really, that is. The other cool but, thing, too, Michael, is that you can use that with anything, not just talking to your dad. You, you know, ask. When my son was a baby, or when he was a little boy, he'd say, Mommy, ask the spirits uh-huh. and beyond. You can ask the spirits and beyond, God, the universe, the spirit guides, the angels, mm-hmm. the whole gang. That's a beautiful thing. Thanks for tuning in with it us, is. Michael. Did you have another question? Thank or? you. Well, I, then I lost my dog, Bailey, about five years ago. Oh. And I, I can see him from time to time in my head. Just mm-hmm. uh, Him just kind of like laying there, like, kind of like waiting for me to come and get him. Yeah. Yeah, well, believe that when you see it. And and sometimes it'll be kind of in your peripheral vision, 
Michael, kind of out of the uh-huh. corner of your eye, you'll think you see him. You are seeing him. When you think you hear him, okay. you are hearing him. When you think you're smelling him, when you think, uh, oftentimes people will say, in the middle of the night, I felt like my deceased dog was snuggled up against me, and I'm saying, yeah. because it was. Yeah. You know, the other yeah. thing that it, it sounds like to me, if I'm looking at the inner seeing of spirituality, that uh, you're being nudged, Michael. It sounds like you've I got some so. gifts that you're probably going to start using. So. Well, thank right. you very much. I'm just on my way over to Unity Village as we speak. So. All right. Well, tell everybody hello there and thank you again for calling in. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in. You've been listening to The Intentional Spirit, and we celebrate The Intentional Spirit of Julie Ryan. You can go to her website, askjulieryan.com. You can do a reading with her. You can connect with her. She has her, her book out. You can know more about the transition stages, the 12 phases that everyone goes through. I mean, she has so much to offer. And of course, as a medical intuitive, I'm Temple Hayes. Thank you for joining. Go to templehayes.com or firstunity.org. Many, many blessings to all of you on this amazing journey we call life. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. I'm Victoria Moran. Since we launched the Main Street Vegan podcast back in 2012, lots more people have discovered the way that moving in a vegan direction can infuse our lives with vitality, spirituality, and compassion. My guests are experts on every aspect of making this work in your real life and our real world. Join us for Main Street Vegan here on mindbodyspirit.fm.